Hello listeners, I'm Deja Phipps, and today I'm here with Derek Kaldar and Jack Oldo to talk bail. Last time on Bail and Mass Incarceration, The Basics, we discussed the inner workings of the bail system, how judges have almost full discretion over how bail is determined and set, and how the inconsistencies of bail have the potential to fuel the brutal cycle of poverty on a large scale. In this episode, we will be discussing the possible negative consequences that certain forms of bail elimination could have on the community. We're going to dive into counter-arguments and have a conversation about the underlying reasoning behind the move against the elimination of bail, as well as explore the opinions of those who feel as though bail reform could either do more harm than the status quo, or could still contribute to the problems that come with bail that disparately impact the impoverished and the oppressed. More from Jack. Yes. We've looked at how bail can be particularly cruel to those living below the poverty line. Detainees have the potential of being held for extended periods of time while awaiting trial simply because of their inability to afford it. Bail as low as $100 could still be impossible for certain individuals to scrounge together on such short notice leaving them to endure being jailed until their court date, which by law could be up to a combined 104 days. This can cause loss of wages or even a loss of a job. All the while, the fees for utilizing the criminal justice system accrue. This only further contributes to the stressors that poverty induces and makes it that much harder to escape it. Many of the proponents for the reformation of bail look towards other ways to ensure those with court dates honor their commitments. One of the proposed alternatives is a risk assessment tool, similar in fashion to the work that actuarians produce in order to to determine insurance rates. In this version, there are many factors influencing the decision but there are a few key ones that the system weighs in on. The tool not only factors in whether or not the personal person has a criminal history, but also the nature of the crimes and whether or not they have been under community supervision at the time of arrest. It also looks into several statistics such as employment stability, housing stability, community involvement, substance abuse, and a history of violence. This is all used to essentially determine the person's trustworthiness and criminal proclivities. Now, Derek will explain why some find this tool to be problematic. So, because these risk assessment tools are the primary proposed alternative to the cash bill system, those who find issue with the tool itself would either prefer to hold off on integrating a non-monetary bail replacement until a different solution is utilized, or they find the current methods more preferable. An argument being made against the use of such risk assessment tools involves the use of a person's criminal history to determine their trustworthiness. 
We've looked into this argument a little bit deeper um, by reading an article titled By Eliminating Cash Bail, California Could Exacerbate Inequalities in the Justice System. This comes to us from the Urban Wire, and they typically discuss criminal law and are based out of Washington, D.C. In this article specifically, the main focus is the potential inequalities that could be worsened by California's elimination of cash bail that was put into place just a few years ago. At face value, criminal history seems like a good predictor of whether or not a person will commit another crime while they are out in the world before their trial. Makes sense, right? Criminals commit crimes. However, those living in impoverished neighborhoods, historically brown and black people, or those living under the poverty line, are often victims of over-policing. Neighborhoods like this often earn the reputation of being crime-ridden and even irredeemable in the eyes of the law. The perceived criminality of such neighborhoods, think South Park, Beacon Hill in Seattle, or Skid Row in California, lead to an increased police presence. The police tend to send more patrols out to these poor neighborhoods rather than the richer ones because they believe more crime is happening there. This belief of theirs is further supported because the crime rates in these neighborhoods are much higher on paper. Activists, however, believe that the higher crime rate is directly proportional to the amount of cops policing the area. Therefore, the idea that a person's criminal history, arrests, parole, probation could be used against a person when deciding whether or not to jail them could be problematic. Those who reside in such communities may have been targeted by the police prior to the arrest that landed them before a judge, and the record may permanently influence the way that the court treats them. Even though the bail wouldn't be monetary, the negative impacts of the risk assessment tool may disproportionately affect the poorest in our communities, fueling the already existing financial discrimination that the courts seem to be guilty of. The method discussed prior is called an algorithmic risk assessment. This method uses statistics and other data, which then categorizes a person. However, it is not always right. The other method not discussed is called the clinical assessment. In this assessment, a clinician evaluates the person. This can be much more accurate as it is more in-depth. However, it takes longer to complete. If the clinical assessment was used every time, the risk assessment tool may be regarded by many as a good alternative to cash bail. Since the algorithmic risk assessment will be used most of the time, because of how quick it is, there are some ways to fix it. This assessment takes in all types of data about this person, and the court makes a decision off of the assessment. In order to make it more fair for those in poverty, this assessment should also take into account the financial situation of the defendant. This will improve the assessment, thus making a more accurate and fair alternative to bail. This argument, however, only reflects the structural issues within the criminal justice system. The whole system needs tuning before this can be effective, and there can be no standardization. A prime example of what has happened is in California. (coughs) Speaking of California, the state has been a center of controversy regarding the bail system since they were the first in the U.S. to completely eliminate it. Since their move to Illinois, Nebraska, Indiana, and New York have then enacted bills to follow in suit. 
Most of the data involving this change comes from California since there are not any other states to look at. This article, California's Referendum to Eliminate Cash Bail, explained by the Brennan Center, weighs the pros and cons of this change and what each side has to say about it. The authors, Taryn Merkel and Aleli Arzi, describe what the elimination of cash bail looks like and why it has been such a divided topic. These risk assessment tools continue to be subject to scrutiny because of the structural issues within the justice system. It's sort of an argument of X, Y, Z needs to change before this can. Because the clogs in the system could potentially lend itself to bias whether or not the elimination of cash bail becomes a reality, the goal of pretrial release or lack thereof will still be the same. Protect the, protect the community and promote court appearances. The methodology will just be different. Local Californian governments are turning to the aforementioned risk assessment system Although, and this is part of the reason for concern, the process of arrest, booking, and release will still be the same. Under statute, the length of time a person can be held until the trial is two days, but in practice, this can take much longer. So, the opposers to this referendum argue that the ineffectiveness and the huge variation of pre-trial detention time would continue to be a problem within the new system. Because the larger issues would persist, the new bail system would also continue to reflect the inefficiencies of the cogs that turn within the courthouse. Those sitting in jail for their trial may still be left to the mercy of the court. It's not uncommon for someone to be jailed without knowledge of their pre-trial release date. There is also concern over the standardization of these risk assessment tests. There is a wide variety of these tools already used in the different counties across the U.S and that isn't going to change with the elimination of cash bail. Opposers fear that this could lend to lead to inconsistencies in the process and therefore itself to bias. We here definitely agree that the whole system needs an upgrade. If the justice system as a whole is not changed completely, then there will always be recurring issues with it. A lot of laws and processes contribute to institutionalized racism and are rooted in prejudice. This is why there either needs to be a whole new system or the structural issues need to be looked at prior to fixing the more fine details within the system, like bail. The current bail system is focused on money, however it rarely takes into account the risk of the person if they're released. This is exactly why it needs to be completely changed and not just fixed in certain areas. We have to take a look at all aspects of this argument. The whole system has issues, it has flaws, there are cogs in the machine. And before fixing such things like bail, it might be worth giving it just a, a whole tune-up. The Pre-Trial Justice Institute shares similar concerns. Until recently, they stood behind the use of such tools, but have since rescinded their decision and are looking for other solutions. They take issue with the data that the tools themselves are built off of. The exist existing structural racism and inequality within the system are seemingly reflected by the tools regardless of the science or brand that is used. 
After the testing of the effectiveness of the risk assessments, they saw that racial disparities continued to persist. They proposed waiting to change the bail system until an alternative that doesn't perpetuate racism and inequalities exists. Alternatives to the bail system will always have some form of racism and inequalities entwined in them. There is no way to completely remove these two things from a criminal justice system that is already built around them. The risk assessment tool is one of the most effective alternatives to the bail system. However, it does have its issues with racial disparities. If this alternative is used instead of the bail system, the issues can be worked out in order to lessen the inequalities that exist in it. The United States needs to begin using an alternative to the bail system or else it will continue to be used for decades to come. In conclusion, the cash bail system has many faults and it is not entirely without reason to exist. There are many good upsides to the cash bail system that allows for its continued functioning in our democracy. However, these same things cause issues within the rest of the system that simply cannot be excused throughout the entire country. There are several states that are making great strides in the reform of this system. However, they do not go far enough or they are done in an incorrect and incomplete manner. There is no reason why we cannot go forward and change the system for the better of all people, especially those who are most affected by it, who are the poor and the downtrodden in each of our communities across the country.